0: The New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Guerrilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We're at episode number 296. I'm your host Paul Spain. And I'm Taryn Hamilton. Hey Taryn. thank you for coming back on the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Pleasure Paul. Now, maybe you can uh, remind listeners where you fit into this world of tech and telecommunications. It's changed a bit since last time
1: I was here. So I run Consumer for Vocus. So we've got three consumer brands, Slingshot, WalkOn, and Flip. So the best three brands in the telco space.
0: <laughs> well, you would have to say that if you didn't and you started uh, claiming it was somebody else's brands then. Yeah, we'd have a little bit of a problem on our hands. We would, uh, but at least at least we know where your loyalties lie, and that's that's good. So, just as a reminder, what's kind of happened since? Um, because this this focus brand wasn't uh, you weren't you weren't part of that last time we chatted. So, I know we'd we have chatted about it on the podcast, but maybe you can just uh, yeah um, yeah know, um, fill, fill us in on the process. There's been a couple of mergers over the last some months.
1: Yeah, I think this time last year we would have been a family owned business. Under call plus banner, so we were sold to M2 Group, which is a ASX listed company. About yeah, about this time last year, five or six months later, got sold again to another company called Vocus, which is basically a, a merger. So Vocus do have a presence in the New Zealand market, but they're a corporate business wholesale provider. So quite complementary to our New Zealand business. So yeah, lots of change.
0: Yeah, well you were you um, you know were buying your uh, your international bandwidth, your international connectivity to the internet through Vocus in the in the past before this.
1: We were yeah, I think we were their biggest customer actually. So now it's somewhat of an accounting treatment between the brands. So uh, it has um, been really advantageous certainly to, to lower our cost base for the international IP for sure.
0: Yeah yeah, oh, good stuff. Now. We've got a few few interesting topics this week. The first one I, I want to jump into. Um, the Herald covered a story over the weekend of three D printing being a, a New Zealand first with printing a jaw for a cancer sufferer. Now I thought this was was pretty interesting, and they, they were basically how a um, a new jaw was uh, created. You know, this was uh, somebody with with throat cancer, and really was in a in a situation where um, their existing Jaw wasn't really in a good in a good state, and so they they were wanting to do this uh, this replacement. And what's ended up is um, is the recipient being in a in a much better place, health wise and and, and comfort wise, and so on. It's pretty good, isn't
1: it? Yeah, I love this stuff. This is, this is such an awesome story. I I had a read, and I I kind of missed it. It Was a domestic story. I thought it was somewhere else, Israel or somewhere. Yeah, slightly more exciting. But yeah, great story. Old chat was obviously struggling life-changing operation. What really surprised me is, I think if I had read the article correctly, it only cost $5,000. So, you know, it wasn't a hugely costly exercise, and I think it was a simpler procedure as well. So, yeah, I'm really super excited to see how this medical science goes. I mean, it's kind of mind-boggling, the, the possibilities.
0: Yeah, I mean, we really are in a world where, where everything is is changing, and and sometimes, well, there's a whole lot of stuff that that can't change. But I think There'll be, you know, the technology will just continue impacting so many spaces and, you know, when you think of of medicine today, there are so many costs I and mean, you look at the US where it's sort of really out of control with the amount of money that people have to spend and usually it gets dumped back on, on insurance companies but there's all these layers of, of cost. And then you know we look across to you know, places like Thailand where people are going for sort of medical tourism, where they're flying in, you know, because of because of the the lower cost for uh, you know for paying paying for time over there, you may be paying a fraction of the price. And you know, I've certainly come across you know a bunch of people locally that have uh, gone over to get their eyes lasered or get one thing or another uh, done. And so we've got that side, I guess, coming from sort of globalization and then you know we've got the the concepts of of remote medicine so you know where you can interact with with someone who's who's got the expertise but is a long way away from you and then I you know I think we'll end up with I guess a a a sort of a and I'm not quite sure what you know what most of these things will look like but I raised it I I raised it on on the radio live show uh, a while back this idea of of basically being able to you know ask a, a bot for medical advice and you know someone I was laughing, saying, well, have a look at what Google gives you back. You get some pretty bad answers in terms of medical advice online.
1: Yeah, you don't want to, uh,
0: um, you know, there's
1: um, M- M- MD websites. You don't want to be a hypochondriac Googling symptoms on those yeah. things, that's for sure. But isn't it, isn't it amazing? It's like, oh, I've got a gammy jaw. I'll oh, we'll just print you a new one.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. And, you know, I th- but I think that, you know, the machine learning, the artificial intelligence sort of side of things will, will ultimately give us some really, really good answers. I had a situation recently where, you know, saw a GP, he gave me one lot of advice and, and he said, oh, you know, you need to go and see this, you know, specialist. Uh, would you like me to do a referral to the specialist? And I spoke to the specialist. And then the advice he gave me was, was just that much, was a whole lot better in terms of you know what what he was able to offer. But it mostly came from the knowledge that was in his head. And then there was what I found online in Google. And, and all of these things were so different. And I was sort of left scratching my head in terms of why was this information so different and what point in time will, we, will it be where we can actually go and ask these questions Online and of course there's you know there, there's a little bit of a difference of of just you know putting a query up then you know the to and fro that 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 goes back with a medical specialist and and they might measure certain things and so on but uh, ultimately I would I would imagine the technology is actually going to get pretty good because it will have access to even more knowledge than a specialist who's maybe been in in the field for a, for a very long time in a lot of cases
1: yeah it'll get progressively more sophisticated over time and you know it's it's really exciting opening up access to medical professionals for people that just can't afford or are not, you know, geographically close to specialists. You know, if you live in, you know, Northland, you know, you might not have the same access to the, the expertise that you might have if you live in Parnell or whatnot.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, imagining quite how that will, that will pan out, I think, you know, there's certainly a few dots we can put together, but... Yeah, that idea of just making it accessible and, and, and wherever people are. And certainly, you know, we look in, um, in some parts of the world where, you know, it's just very, very difficult to, mm. to get really good, uh, really good help. So. Mm. Uh, you imagine being stuck with with a problem. Um, you're out in the wop wops, and uh, but hey, someone's got an internet connection and a and a 3D printer, and uh, I don't know some sort of robot that can be re- remotely controlled by uh, by a specialist somewhere, a surgeon on the on the other side of the world. Yeah, um, yeah. That that might be able to achieve what's needed in the future.
1: You need a new kidney? No problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it kind of we jest about it, but um, you know the possibilities are endless
0: mm-hmm. now google and um in conjunction with some of their partners are, uh, are pushing forward on on some technology that will apparently uh, reduce our need to uh, to remember passwords do you have a problem with remembering passwords, Taryn? or can you just remember everything?
1: I do, I do, and i, I got a bit of a system, which I think most, most people do. Which, oh, tell us the system and, yeah.
0: and, and one of your passwords, well, I and think, we'll take I, it from there. I
1: think the floor was, would be uh, quite easily seen through if, if, a, you know, if a hacker was to be somewhat interested in what I've got to, to offer. Yeah. But I think it's one of those things that you probably don't really appreciate how important it is until you you, you experience identity fraud or someone grabs your password for one of your sites and. Um, you know, it can become an absolute major. So, um, you know, I think the quality of people's passwords in general is really, really weak. We, We, as an internet company, try to be as proactive as possible about encouraging people to have appropriately... Strength passwords. Oh, um, so you
0: guys don't offer ABC123 as a password? I've, I remember having a, tel- a particular telco in the past, rather rather large one, you used to always give that out. No,
1: no, no, not these days. No, no, no. no password,
0: password, password in one instead, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> no, that's good. Well, um, yeah, what what we've heard is Google are taking a bit of a step forward with partnership with Dashlane and, and other password managers with this open source project called... Um, Open YOLO, standing for you only log in once, I which which is basically uh, designed to uh, provide a, um, a secure link between to start with, they're focusing on Android apps and your password, uh, your password manager. And so if you're authenticated, you know, with your phone, be it through fingerprint or, you know, whatever mechanism you use that it knows you are you. And uh, and then I guess you you know you fire up whatever whatever app it is and uh, and once you've a- approved that link to be in place with a password manager, then um, away you go.
1: Yeah, I think the single sign-on essentially is hugely attractive, and and particularly if you can, you know, you got one password or, or one mechanism to log in, and that can reticulate out and change all your access passwords. You know, you know, I've done a couple of times change my passwords, and it's like a, a day long exercise to go through all the various sites that you use and yeah, yeah, and, and update them all. So yeah, paint pain in the backside. Yeah, and I think the open source approach is certainly the way to go. But then you got people like Apple who will want to go their own way.
0: Yeah, and I mean they're just talking around Android to start with, but uh, you know, the this this type of uh, the type of method that they're they're looking at potentially has some some more broad broader broader impact. I mean, it is different from some of the other approaches. You know, we see where, say, you you log in with your Facebook credentials, and it opens up all sorts of things. Uh, whereas this is talking about talking back to a password manager that would store unique and different mm. passwords for uh, you know for each thing that you're uh, that you're logging into. But yeah, you know, I guess you've got to be you've got to be very very careful with your password manager, and uh, make sure you've got uh, you've got a really good secure password there that you're, yeah, not, you're not using any You're not anywhere really else.
1: hitting your bits in, are you? So if that one's yeah. compromised, you're kind of kind of stuffed.
0: Yeah. Now, oh, last week another topic, I mentioned um, HP's Elite X3, which is their uh, new new smartphone that will also be able to sort of dock in and. Um, and operate as a, a sort of PC of sorts, and also dock into a, a sort of dumb laptop and and provide all the smarts and connectivity for that. We had seen some information suggesting that distributors in New Zealand would have that available around mid-month. Word is that it's not going to be quite so soon, but probably around the end of end of August, early September, those should be landing. So um, we'll give a little bit more info on that over the next uh, next few weeks. Probably have. Um, have a bit of a hands-on more detailed review of that something we've chatted about on the show before and I've spent a little bit of time with but a little bit more um, real hands-on info over the next uh, next week or two. Now on the uh, on the Mac front, The Verge have published uh, quite an interesting article that for The Verge anyway who have usually been you know really big fans of Apple in terms of their coverage over over the years since they've uh, they they've launched. But they are Starting to get a little bit critical of of Apple and uh, Apple selling such old technology when we when we look at the Macs and. This is kind of is kind of curious because when uh, when you do when you do look at at the age of the innards of some of the um, some of the Macs that are that are being sold today, yeah, it, it is fair to say that um, that they're somewhat outdated. If we look at the uh, the MacBook Pro, for instance, I think the, uh, the the current model of the MacBook Pro, and and maybe this is something that. Uh, Apple have, have pretty clearly decided that they're uh, they're not going to launch any any new uh, models for, um, but they are continuing to uh, to sell it. So it does seem a little um, it does seem a little odd that um, yeah that Apple are a little bit slow. You know, if you if you look at at most of their uh, most of their Macs, other than the um, the new MacBook, um, they tend to be running older chips.
1: Yeah, I think it's probably just a. Consequence of the success of their other product lines, I think. We, when Apple started, Mac was their product and it was their hero product, and I think now it accounts for less than ten percent of their revenues. Apple is such a big, powerful brand; they trade off their kind of fanboy status, and I think they take for granted their, their market sometimes and and think they can get away with offering kind of second rate products and hope the brand just supports supports them and carry on. But they're going to have to pull finger at some point and um, you know reassess what they're doing with their, their Mac. Mac area for
0: sure. Yeah, I mean, do you do you use Mac? You, no, you we, Windows guy, Mac Yeah, I've
1: always been a bit of a Windows guy. We used to use some MacBooks f- uh, hardware. This might be a bit sacrilegious saying this, but we used to run Windows on the actual hardware because the, the kit was That's really, really solid. Really nice
0: kit, right? Um, yeah.
1: yeah, it looked good, felt good, um, never really had any problems with it. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that setup actually, but um, no, these days it's um, not, not something I use.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean when 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 you when you look at when you look at the Apple gear it always has been uh you know real real premium from a design perspective. Uh you know their software has generally been uh, has generally been very you know very very good. And of course there there was a time there some some years ago where they were starting to run into problems with um the chips that they were running, and so they made this uh, this transition to to the Intel chips, so that they would they would sit very uh, you know competitively uh, in performance with PCs because they were uh, basically you know running 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 the same stuff. But yeah, we've got to this uh, we've got to this point now where even though they've got Intel chips in, inside of um, their uh, laptops and uh, their, their desktop type machines. Um, they all seem to be running outdated chips, other than basically the MacBook, mm. uh, which is kind of their, um, their 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 focus, I guess, at the moment. So, yeah, Apple uh, MacRumors.com dot com has been um, has been the, the, a great site to go to to sort of keep track of you know what's happening with uh, with. Apple models and where they are in their in their life cycle, and they keep information such as um, you know how many days it is since you know Apple last refreshed that particular product. So if we look at the iMac on there, it's saying it's been uh, three hundred and one days since um, since the last uh, iMac launch, and that the average time between uh, model releases is three hundred and seventeen days, so that's not too bad. But because of the timings, it means that the uh, the iMac is running on the previous generation chip. Yep. And that's basically the and and what uh, what app, what Mac Rumors do is they put up a, uh, a recommendation on whether you should buy a particular uh, model of Mac at the current time, and it gets to a point where they think, hey, it's due for replacement, and they say, don't buy. So if we look across the MacBook, that one says, yep, buy now. Uh, but if you look at the MacBook Air, the Retina MacBook Pro, the MacBook Pro, the iMac, the Mac Mini, and the Mac Pro. All of those, which is basically every other Mac, have been labelled as "don't buy" by Mac rumours at, at this time. Telling, you. Yeah. yeah, and at, at the extreme end of the scale, you've got uh, you've got the uh, the Mac Pro, which was launched in December two thousand and thirteen. Uh, and it's been yeah, so uh, they're listing that as 964 days ago uh, since it was uh, since it was last updated. So um, yeah, I, I mean I th- I think this criticism is, is reasonably fair. It's not that hard to sort of do do these sort of chip refreshes and so on. But as you say, Apple ma- make the very large majority of their money now off mobile uh, devices, iPhones and and iPads. So. Yeah, maybe um, maybe they just don't care as much as what what they used to. I mean, it's certainly from a, a financial point of view, they uh, they don't need to care as much.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think that is the case. But they've got to be careful about protecting their their brand and their reputation. And, you know, you don't want to create a dissonance between the perception of being a premium product and the reality. So you know, I think it is important that they um, get back up to speed for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I, I mean, yeah, looking at all of these with the "don't buy" recommendation uh, next to them, I, uh, I imagine it can't be uh, too much longer for uh, for a lot of them before they do get that refresh. But I mean, it, it was a long time waiting for for the Mac Pro, where a lot of people mm. were frustrated last time around, and uh, yeah, I don't think it's a it's a good move for them to not. Yeah, refresh their product and and effectively they're selling old technology. Mm, yep. So, yeah, not not an ideal look. Apple. Um, they're only the most powerful business on the planet. Yeah, they should, they should be able to suss it out. Yeah, you you'd, you'd hope. Well, and I, I guess that's the thing now. When you are that big. That's when people start throwing rocks at you, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. You know, any areas where you're not performing, yeah. pretty fair to say, Well, hey, you you're big enough, you've got enough money, you can you can actually afford to do this, look after your customers with current products rather than selling a say a three year old product at as as though it's a current current product because it's in your current catalogue. Yep, so, sure. Yeah. Um, all right, now moving on to um, on to other things. Maybe you can give us a little bit little bit of an update. What's happening in the in the world of uh, Vocus, and uh, you know, with with your brands? And, yeah, a couple of interesting uh, things we've been b- up to bits lately. And pieces, yeah.
1: Um, so we'll start with what we've been doing with Orcon. I think it was last week or a week before we launched our designer series, which is something um, completely different for an internet company to be doing. Which is basically um, we contracted five of New Zealand's um, leading artists, and we said, take our Beige plastic, Bore, very boring, very boring routers. unattractive uh, routers, and make them into mini w- works of art. So, um, yeah, they did just that. So we had the five artists we had was Otis Frizzell, Anna Leyland, Andrew Day Steele, and Flocks. Was that was that five? I think there was five. Um, Eskew one, Eskew one. Yep. Sorry, is yep. in can't, there as well. Can't forget Eskew. Yeah, um, yep. yeah, Absolutely fantastic pieces of art. So any existing Orcon customer can call up and. Um, get a modem replacement if they recontract with us, and any new customers can choose one out of five um, devices to be shipped out to them as well. So it's a limited run. We've got 500 of each, so it's not going to last long, but um, we might come back and take another swing at it if it all goes all goes well. So, um, yeah, it's kind of a it's, – it's also a practical campaign as well. Um, you know, we've been talking to our customers, and most people kick these modems under the couch or in the closet or basically – Somewhere you can, can't you, possibly you see hide them.
0: them. You hide them away, don't you? Yeah,
1: which, which isn't the greatest for the Wi Fi performance. So, you know, it should be prior to place and, and have as best coverage as possible. So, um, you know, there is a practical angle there as well, not just a marketing thing. So, um, yeah, that's really exciting. It's um, been received really well. and So, it's something new and interesting that um, no one's done before
0: yeah no i i like it and um you know guy, guys like um Eskew and otis Fazell, you know the these guys are um you know are really talented um you know creatives that come up with some cool stuff and uh yeah i think i think it's nice you know i looked across all the all the designs uh, they look really cool. There's, you know, there's, there's none of those that. Um, They're all very, um, very different, and yeah.
1: it, we were really stoked with how they came out as well. So they were screen print on the actual on the actual device, and it's, mm. it's come up a treat. It looks really, really flash, and also all five artworks, actual original artworks, are being auctioned on TradeMe at the moment. So that's going to Forest and Bird charity, so oh, all cool. proceeds will be going to there, so nice. jump on Trade Me, I think on the main page it's under cool, cool auctions, or just, just search for Orcon, and um, you should be able to make a bid on one of those pieces of art.
0: Yeah, that's nice. That's yeah, quite cool. a
1: few people at the office are bidding and getting out bid, it's a bit of frustration, but I think, I think the auction closes in about a week, so <laughs> yeah, hopefully yeah. we get a pretty penny for that as well.
0: Yeah, nice, nice, that's um, cool. And now you guys, you've got something else you've been doing recently around, is it family safety? Firm, family filter, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. what's tomato, uh, what's, tomato? what's what's the story with that?
1: So, yeah, we've launched that with Slingshot again a couple of weeks ago. Um, so Slingshot's our kind of mass market, very you know family-friendly brand. And, you know, we just we saw a need after talking to our customers to create a product that um, basically helps parents filter the content that their kids are looking at on the internet. So it's a, a network-based appliance we've got that you can toggle on and off through the My Account or the Slingshot app shortly, and it basically filters out a wide range of nasties on the internet, so anything from the obvious pornographic content to, um, you know, even dating websites, drugs, alcohol, self-harm, suicide, you know, all that sort of stuff, you know, so it's quite... You know it's quite quite strict in terms of what it um, what it filters out. So that's a, a free product we've got going for a, for a year, so to new and existing customers. So it's um going really, really well, getting great uptake on that as well. It's um you know because it's so easy and it's taken care of at the network network end, people are really appreciating it.
0: So where you say it takes place at the network end, how do how do you how do you do that is it through you know your dns server is it through actual you know if somebody tries to access a particular uh, url you will you'll block that unless i guess they go over a vpn or something yeah, i mean yeah. how i mean there's no way of obviously uh somebody really wants to get somewhere there's there's always ways to get in you know turn on their mobile phone or what have you but well what yeah. what what are you what are the techniques that you you use
1: so it's a it's a Actually, a specialist bit of kit. So it's an appliance. that's in the network, plugged in somewhere. Someone with a propeller
0: head will know more of the detail than, than I do. Yep. And essentially, but it's at your part of the network. It's not on the customer's premises. No, right? it's,
1: it's not on not on the edge. So it's definitely in the network. So any device connected to the home broadband connection or Wi-Fi is covered. So if a mate walks in with his iPhone and he's using your Wi-Fi, he's not going to be able to look at unsavoury city of, of the internet either, so you know it's 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 really simple and easy, and it's not something to have to think about. So it's not like a a list of things you need to whitelist or blacklist. It's um you know there's a line being drawn, as what's been deemed acceptable or not, and anything that's not completely blocked off.
0: Right. So it's sort of black or white. You can't customize that sort of per connection. It's no, just, you can't. It's, no. Right. Right.
1: And it's 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 not you know as you say if if someone really really wants to try hard to to look at that type of content. Sure they could, but it's not designed for someone that's sophisticated enough to get around that. So it's it's more you know, if your kids are Googling something for homework yeah, they don't accidentally come off come up with something that they really, really shouldn't be shouldn't be looking at and it's um it's a it's, you know it's a huge problem for for not just kiwi kiwi families but but worldwide the, the types of content that people are looking at on the internet because well, whatever stuff your imagination can think of it, it exists on the internet so yeah
0: there's been some interesting media coverage you know recently around Pornography access and so on, but as you say, there's all sort, all sorts of stuff, and uh, I guess yeah, there can be some some maybe wisdom around um, making sure people don't stumble across some of that, uh, you know, p- particularly particularly your, your kids.
1: No, yeah, no, there's probably safer ways to learn about that sort of thing <laughs> yeah. than than googling, but yeah. um, and yeah, you can you can turn it off and on pretty easily as well. Right. So if mum or dad want to look at that. Parts of the internet, then they can certainly do that.
0: As well, well, I guess one of the challenges with filters is, you know, often there are some unintended, you know, consequences in terms of. Well, we're trying to look up some info on X, Y, Z medical thing, and it you know blocks something yep. or what have you. And it's, it's I think been an, an area that's been notoriously hard to kind of you know cater cater to in the in the past. So uh, yeah, that we, ability to turn it in and off, I guess, gives people a, a, a work around if they get stuck
1: Yeah, we we found that when we were testing the product, I had it at home. My son came running in and said, like, "Dad, something wrong with the internet." And I was yeah. like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "All my YouTube channels have disappeared." I was like, "Oh, hold on a second, pal. What, what YouTube channels are these exactly?" But yeah. they're all you know you know pretty legitimate stuff that shouldn't have been blocked but um, you know there, there is obviously a line that um, someone's decided on we haven't actually had any feedback about any false positives yet but we'll kind of keep an eye on that
0: and is that something you'll be able to manage locally? So you'll be able to you know turn stuff on and off because yeah. that, that can get pretty time consuming from yeah, there is your a, end of uh, someone saying you should turn this off, and someone else is saying no, that should be available. And you know it's, that's the problem when you when you draw a line. I it's, think uh, there's different a, people want the line in different places. Yeah, absolutely,
1: and it's uh, it is subjective. But um, you know, we'll kind of just listen to the customer base and what they want. We'll try to deliver.
0: Yep. And would you now? Does uh, Does Slingshot offer mobile services? Because I know you off, you, you have Don't you have a um, virtual mobile network uh, somewhere that you offer? We
1: do, yeah. We have um, an agreement with Spark to to offer mobile. So, yeah, we've absolutely got, got mobile services. So with any broadband pan, you can bundle... It's a prepay proposition essentially, but it's actually, a sort of
0: an, an add-on. So it, it so, goes on
1: your bill, though, so yeah, which yeah, is quite convenient.
0: Yep. Yeah. And so, would would this network layer for filtering be able to tie onto the mobiles as well, or is it purely for home broadband?
1: Only for home broadband. So only if the mobiles are using Wi-Fi, not whilst it's actually right, three right. or four G. No.
0: Okay. Okay. Good. Good. No, just good to have that uh, that clarification. I mean, how. How have things been going, sort of, since the uh, the the two mergers? What it, what have been the 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 impacts for you? Is it is it a whole lot different? Um, no, it's been pretty pretty
1: similar actually, which is which is great. Um, you know, we didn't lose a bunch of people, which you can typically happen in these sort of big big mergers, which is which is really great. So. The vast majority of the team is still there, so the cultures with any businesses and the people—not not what it's called or what building they're in. So um, you know we're we we're, we're trucking along and the business is going well, and we um, don't have to put up with the Aussies too too often, which is which is great.
0: <laughs> Good stuff. Now a few other uh, topics, I guess, in the uh, in the internet world, we'll, we'll try and have a little bit of a chat uh, shortly around. Um, uh, stuff's entry into uh, into the, the the world of port band. We've also had uh, had an announcement that um, half of Auckland can now. The, the title that the New Zealand Herald put up was half. Of Auckland can now get faster internet, which is a, an odd title because I mean, we're always getting faster internet all the time from dial-up, to etc., uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think they're talking around that uh, half of Auckland can uh, can now get ultra-fast uh, broadband.
1: Yeah, the the builds are you know are picking up pace for sure. For sure, so the priority that fibre companies rolled out was schools, hospitals. Be you know businesses and now they're really filling in a lot of the residential areas. So you know, absolutely, it's it's taken off, and you know we've seen demand go through the roof of fibre, which is which is great because at the end of the day, these are your taxpayers' dollars that are being spent putting this network in. So if you're not taking advantage of it, kind of, more make you really. I, you know, we certainly encourage people to um, periodically. Go to the you know Slingshot website or whatever ISP is. Um, check check their address and as soon as fibre is available, get in line
0: for sure. Mm. I won't go into too much of this article because uh, some of it is actually just wrong, um, which we kind of get used to with with mainstream media reporting. And I'm sure I make mistakes from time to time too. So uh, maybe it's it's just as humans, we're not always perfect. So I won't uh, I won't. Drill down too much on on that, but yeah, basically they're saying that fifty two percent of Auckland now, um, or of the rollout in Auckland, and it doesn't go to every yep. you know every single premise and location, location depending on uh, you know how 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 uh, suburban you are, I suppose, how central you are. But the other interesting uh, number that they've been sharing is that. Now we're we're up, I think, past the twenty five uh, percent mark in terms of adoption. So for those that have access to ultra fast broadband, you know, initially as people gained, you know, the ability to connect to ultra fast broadband, it was a very small percentage of mm. people that were actually bothering to connect. Uh, but now, I guess, as as we move into uh, a world where uh, we're watching a lot of Netflix and video on demand, and and so on, and it just uh, you know it just becomes the norm. So twenty five percent of those with access to ultra fast broadband are uh, are on it. Um,
1: yeah, I think uh, I haven't checked the numbers recently, but I think we're pushing two hundred two hundred thousand people connected, which is a you know reasonably impressive number, and you know and certainly demand for it is certainly outstripping supply. At the moment, well, that's been a bit
0: of a problem for I think for chorus in particular with their with contractors and getting getting people to uh, to do the job. Um, In fact, couple of couple of stories. so one where we, uh, it's a business premise, a, a customer of gorillas we were trying to get ultra fast broadband installed and uh, backwards and forwards and multiple visits and I, I don't know, maybe there was a contract change in the middle and, and so on. But um, so they came out and did the same job, I don't know, maybe two or three two or three times just to do their initial scoping as different people got uh, got assigned the job. Anyway, eventually it, it got done and in a different manner to what they had suggested, but it got done. And uh, what I'm told as part of it, they were trying to get a cable through somewhere in the in the premise and the the hole that they saw a hole there for a cable uh, and it wasn't quite big enough, so it seems as though the uh, the contractor just sort of shoved a drill into the hole uh, to make it bigger. Now there were some cat six cables in there that were uh, they were actually reasonably important and needed to go Ouch. to other parts of the building, uh, which got torn to shreds. Uh, but the the nice word I got back from uh, from chorus is that if their if their installers do you know make a mess of something, they will make good. So you know what they said was. Look, you you know, forward, forward through the invoice for the repair to fix this stuff up, and they will co- and they will cover that. So, you know, I think that's quite pleasing to uh, to hear that 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 they will do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, to give Corus credit, they're progressively getting, getting better. Um, and it's a it's a massive workforce to manage as well, and it can be painful at sometimes. But I definitely advocate that the pains, what pain there may be, is definitely worth it. So it might be a little bit of process to actually get the thing installed, but once it's in. You definitely won't regret it. And we, we track customer satisfaction across different products in the industry. And customers that have fibre are substantially happier than customers that don't. So, yeah, it's worth, worth sucking up a little bit of pain in the short term.
0: Yeah. Well, I just went through them. The, we're in the process of moving our family to a new home. And we, we sort of just ran out of space where we were. So we're moving to a slightly bigger home. And uh, so I, I called up, and uh, I decided to. Um, uh, big Pipe had been talking to me about some stuff, so I said, "Well, can, are you going to give me some some free big Big Pipe for a little while oh, if I try you out?" And of course they I think, said, "I think I'm leaving." Of course they said, "Yes, yes." So uh, anyway, so um, so I'm just you know full transparency. So um, anyway, so I said, "All right, well we'll we'll, we'll try out your uh, your service. It sort of fits in with moving and so on." So um, so I ordered the um, the Ultrafast broadband. Of course, you get offered these install dates from Chorus and uh, it was about a two and a half, maybe, no, a bit longer than that, maybe roughly about a three-week process from from Woe to go. And so about a week from my call... Well, it's not a call with big pipe, is it? You do it, you have to, you do it online. But putting the request in was, was when the first visit would be. And then two weeks later was when, uh, Chorus would come back and actually do the, do the install. But the bit that surprised me was the installer on his first visit asked me if I had the router there, uh, which I didn't, but I said I could go and pick up. And he said, look, if, if everything's here, I might be able to get the install done today. Now he didn't quite get it done, came back a couple of days later, uh, but basically completed it about 10 days ahead of schedule. So, um, yeah, I thought, Chorus, um, hey, sometimes they over deliver. And, uh, yeah, this time it was, it was ahead of, uh, ahead of schedule. So, um, good to hear. Good, good on chorus. Uh, and, uh, and this, this particular installer, uh, John, he said he'd been installing UFB for years. Obviously, one of their more experienced guys and just knew what to do and was able to get on and, uh, yeah, get, yeah. get the job done. So, uh, so, you know, I'm sure they've sort of got a mix of some of those more experienced people that have been doing it a lot, but certainly it's, it's a smoother process than what it was right at the beginning. And remember, Orcon was... Uh was one of the ones that was there right at the beginning and uh, you know you guys gave me a, gave me a connection I think I was in Hearn Bay at the time and, and got me hooked up Good. and uh, it all went very well but it was a it was a pretty hefty and time consuming process to get uh, de- to get installed
1: yeah I think you know the, the learnings have, have been made but you know it's still' it's still a bit of a journey for chorus fair to say but yeah Orcon would have first to launch so what that would have been pushing three years ago now so we we're, we're we're pretty sophisticated about how we manage this stuff but um, yep still a way to go.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, a few interesting bits and pieces of news. Uh, Apple have, have bought a, um, a Seattle-based artificial intelligence startup, um, apparently $200 million. I like how um, they say,
1: yeah, we don't co- um, comment on minor transactions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> $200 million, that's like a billion
0: New Zealand pesos, isn't it? It's nuts, isn't it? Well, with the exchange, it's not quite that uh, that much <laughs> at the moment. But uh, but ev- yeah, even so, it's not. I wouldn't have called it a small transaction for for most other businesses. But uh, yeah, for for the apples and googles and microsofts of this world, it's. Uh, I guess it's that's just what they pay, right? It doesn't matter what you're selling. That's probably their starting price. Yeah, it's an uh, interesting
1: one. I don't think it's quite yet rising machine Skynet stuff with the AI. But I assume that's to make Siri usable. You Android or iOS?
0: You... I mean, I, I use a bit of a bit of every Everything but i i use, um, I use iOS uh, uh, probably more on the mobile front than uh, than than any other platform and yeah I mean I think there 's a huge scope and a huge way to go with um, you know with digital assistants. and you know, I think ultimately you know we'll each end up with you know, having having trained somebody up almost like a um, member of your staff who will be trained up and they will know everything about you like a an assistant would. And, you know, over years, they'll build up this knowledge base and you'll end up with basically this digital assistant that has this huge knowledge base. Yeah, that's
1: hugely attractive. I yeah. mean, that, that, that's going to be fantastic. But, you know, it's pretty in its infancy, fair to say, at the moment. Oh,
0: sure. But I think there's a big sort of first mover advantage in terms of, you know, getting in getting in early and starting yeah. to build up this knowledge about you. I mean, you imagine a a situation where, uh, you know your 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 assistant is there for you know every meeting every interaction you have with anyone has a knowledge and, th- and you you know you can ask it a question like well who was that guy that I chatted to last year it was something to do with and you spill off a few bits and pieces and your assistant comes back with well you know on the thirteenth of uh, August uh, you know two thousand and twelve you were chatting with blah 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 about this and this was the exact interaction and uh, your comments to me afterwards were remind me of this and all, there's all I I mean, it will it will be quite fascinating in terms of uh, you know how we'll be able to use the technology.
1: It's Certainly, how it, how it can kind of integrate with the you know going back on our discussion around the um, health. Mm. And you know mm. what if you know, hey Paul, I've noticed your heart rate's a little bit lower this morning. Are you feeling well? You slept in a little bit longer. You know, there's huge huge potential. Yep, and, and should I book you in a... You know, a a trip to the doctors or. I've Googled your symptoms and you might have cancer. Sorry, Paul.
0: Yeah, no, more likely my assistant will be saying, um, Paul, yep, you've been overworking. We need to book you a holiday to uh, Hawaii or something like that. That's what I'll be expecting. Yep. You know, I expect it to you know have a solution, not just send me off to the doctor. Yep. Cool. <laughs> hey, we can we can but hope, and it will have worked out online how to get me there for free. So there's that going on. Um, Amazon they made their uh, their announcement that um, they've got their first uh, their first cargo plane. So, you know, here we've got this sort of, you know, online retailer that's now moved into, into cloud services. Now they're doing other things in the cloud with, with planes. And, you know, I think a lot of people are wondering, well, kind of what, what, what's next? You know, will, uh, you know, they're selling so many things now. Will they be putting, uh, putting passengers onto some of these planes? You know, you, you could imagine if they, if they owned a, a passenger, you know, airliner, uh, wherever there's a gap, uh, or a flight was, you know, maybe maybe it's only half booked. This flight, then they they would just fill up the rest of the space somehow with uh, uh, with product that needs to get across the country.
1: Yeah, well, I think what, what they're really good at Amazon is sweating their assets. So this is obviously like a vertical integration pl- uh, play. They spend shitloads of money, I assume, on on transiting cargo uh, through air freight across the country, and they bought their own plane, bought their own service to increase their margins, and then they'll get to a point and they'll go hey look we've got this surplus capacity as you say why not we, why don't we create a service for you know domestic travelers so it's completely plausible i could can see how it could happen reasonably swiftly as well mm.
0: yeah so uh, but uh, you know it, it's these sort of moves and you know uh, amazon have never made much profit i mean there was a long time there they basically made nothing you know nothing and it, it's not far off nothing now and in in terms of their their market cap, still pretty small numbers, but yeah, they've they've got the room to do all, all sorts of manoeuvres and to make it very hard for others. And there there are others who you know do sell a lot of products at very similar or same or exactly the same prices as Amazon, but most of those aren't going to have the scale that they can go out and no. uh, and and be buying. Well, I think they're they're leasing in this case, uh, but you know uh, leasing planes. Um, so, uh, yeah, puts them, puts them in a, in a, in a, um, potentially in a pretty, uh, pretty strong position. Another uh, another Bitcoin uh, hack in the last uh, in the last few days. Uh, not quite as um, as major as the, um, the hack the Mount Gox, the one. Mount Gox yeah. one, but um, still not um, not good for uh, for those who are I guess putting their um, their, their their trust in uh, in Bitcoin. It seemed to have uh, certainly impacted the uh, the price. But even when you look at it now, I mean Bitcoin uh, I think went as low as around sort of US two hundred dollars at the beginning of the beginning. Of the year and uh, has been up in what six seven hundred US dollar uh, price range and uh, immediately after this hack I think uh, we saw the um, the the value um, you know drop. And um, yeah, those who have had their uh, their their Bitcoin wallets with this particular company, uh, Bitfinex, I think they're called, have um, have found that they're uh, they're about thirty six percent out of pocket on whatever they uh, they yeah, had. So, so it's, a, it's an interesting approach to how they're spreading uh,
1: the damage across the, their whole customer base, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting approach. So they, it sounds like they're trying to make good as good as they can, I guess. And what are offering shares or something in the com- and and the company for if, they, if customers stick around,
0: yeah, they're offering a sort of another, um, another sort of, I think, a, another currency or, or token they're offering to uh, to people, and you know, potentially people end up with shares in the in the business. But uh, yeah, ultimately at this stage, people are, uh, yeah, people people are out of pocket, and I guess you know, it's it's just another thing to uh, impact people's uh, people's confidence in uh, in Bitcoin, isn't it? I mean, if you know, if you've got money that's sitting sitting in a, in a bank, you don't expect. That uh, might just disappear overnight, or you lose thirty six percent of it oh, bank, uh, because because of some cyber security issue.
1: Banks go out to of business too, though. Don't forget, um, they do. But they it's, do. A, it's a pretty volatile currency. But you know, it's come from from nothing. What at a peak at around about thousand US dollars or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But it's still proving pretty popular. I think a, a segment of um, the economy value it and value the anonymity of the the service as well and. You know, I, I know quite a few people that invest in Bitcoin still and I think you just kinda of build this into your into the risk of your investment essentially. You know, this stuff is gonna happen from time to time but you know, it doesn't seem to have completely undermined it.
0: No, no. Well we'll, uh, well, we'll see where, where things go from there. Now, the new ISP we, we talked about, now I'm sure you're always excited around having, uh, having new players come into the uh, internet provider market. I mean, it's a, it's a market where there's you know, so much fat cash to be made by every player. It's you know, obvious that uh, yeah. everyone would want to jump into like, this, I was just, I was thinking, uh, this market, isn't it?
1: I was thinking, I was like, well, what was going on in the Fairfax boardroom? They was sitting there going, this media and news gambit's getting tougher and tougher. We're not making any money. You know, what, what are the industries that have got super high growth, you know, super lucrative, not a lot of competition, I got it, let's get into, let's get into telco. I was like, oh my goodness, what are you thinking? Buy buy a couple of dairy farms instead and see how you go with those. Probably got be a better chance of making some money. No, well, it's, it's really interesting, we always, in all seriousness, kind of welcome c- competition, so it'll be interesting to see how they go. I'm not sure what their kind of point of differentiation's going to be, and, um, you know, It obviously raises a few questions around at what their relationship is going to be with Fairfax and if a Fairfax-NZME merger goes ahead, what does that mean for content in the you know, New Zealand news um, industry and what that means for telco advertisers that advertise through NZME and Fairfax. So it'll be interesting to see how that how that goes.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously we, we, we've seen uh, Fairfax invest in um, you know in the in the tech space uh, in the past, and uh, they've got a, a reasonable stake in uh, the Neighbourly, mm-hmm. um, sort of local social network, and uh, something that was started independently. But that you know they've they've taken a stake in that. I haven't followed cl- too closely in terms of what their stake is uh, at the moment, but you see Neighbourly get get pushed pretty heavily via stuff, and of course they did pretty well off buying uh, uh, buying TradeMe and uh, and and divesting of uh, of of that um, so uh, being you know playing within within the um, the broader world of uh, of technology is something they 've done in the past but uh, yeah, as you say, it's um, not usually the first sort of direction that uh, most businesses would would go to invest. So you, you know, you've got to think that there is a bit of a, a bit of a bigger picture here. I had a chat to Sam Morse, who is um, is hitting um, up uh, stuff fiber. Now, of course, when I googled him, uh, straight up came a Wikipedia page. And um, I started reading about uh, Samuel Finley Breeze Morse, uh, who died in 1872, and of course invented Morse code. No, this wasn't uh, wasn't not the same guy. But but Sam does have have an interesting uh, CV, and it seemed the reoccurring thing in his CV was, when when I when I looked uh, through on LinkedIn was a lot to do with um, video on uh, on demand services, mm. and uh, you know ver- varying roles that uh, that he's had, but um, that's. Seem to be quite a quite a common thread. So one of the questions I asked him is, uh, you know, is is that uh, a track that they will go down? And um, certainly the the signals from him uh, suggested that there's there's more at play here than a than uh, a straight uh, you know plain and simple internet provider. Although he says that, you know they certainly their focus at the moment as um, just being a, a fibre-only internet provider. You know, he highlighted some, some areas that they want to uh, differentiate on. Uh, they're going to be uh, a no-term ISP, so you can sign up and leave whenever you want. Although on the flip side of that, um, it, it was interesting. He's, you know, he was highlighting that um, they want to provide better Wi-Fi for people because people have Wi-Fi connectivity. Um, so he mentions they're going to have uh, three routers available from, uh, from Netgear uh, the base one is Netgear's N six um, two two O. That will be bundled for users with with the plan. And I wondered, well, how is this going to work? Will you return it if you you know exit before you've somehow you know met a, a way of paying it off? Mm-hmm. The comment there was, if you are with them less than twelve months, then you've got to pay ninety dollars for that router. So it does kind of leave a bit of an exit fee. So it's not quite it doesn't feel quite like a it's a contract um, without a contract. Doesn't yeah, it doesn't quite sound a like a like a a no contract because you're uh, you know you've then got this uh, uh, router you've got to pay for. Uh, and he said that their other two routers they're going to have is uh, Netgear X6 and, and X8. Uh, if you do buy one of those, then you can leave wherever you want, whenever you want, and those will be um, apparently you know subsidized, which are, you know or, or you know I guess close to their cost price, which is pretty normal for ISPs, isn't it, to offer some you know some premium router options without uh, charging uh, full retail for them?
1: Yeah, I mean the the router is actually a substantial cost for an ISP. Um, they're not they're not cheap. They might look cheap sometimes, but um, it's just- it's usually costly, and the router is an important part of your, your broadband performance. You know, the, the fancy-looking Orcon ones are all got giggy LAN and, and WAN port, so it's a you know pretty high spec router. It's a hard thing for an internet company to build any sort of competitive advantage on, though, because any of us can buy any router at any time if if, if we so choose. So there's always new Wi-Fi technology coming out. Went from you know, we want B G. In AC, that's it. Whatever yeah. you know, whatever yeah. else is next. So it's um, it's something you if if you're going to try and lean on that, you really need to, to um, keep on top of.
0: So I'm going to be interesting to see uh, see how it develops and um, you know how that um, uh, I think they're 51 owned by um by Stuff um, so or the Fairfax. So it'll be it'll be interesting just to see how that works out.
1: Yeah, I think uh, they're certainly going to have to lean on lean on um, their parent there because it's not a not a cheap. Cheap market to um, get exposure in it's uh, as I mentioned, it's hugely competitive space with you know the big guys spending a shed load of money on on advertising. You know you can't can't escape broadband advertising as a consumer these days. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they go about building themselves a profile. Hopefully, not don't they don't do too good a job.
0: <laughs> well the the one bit I was curious about is you know are, are we expecting to see uh, to see Fairfax launch into uh, into a whole lot of sort of content behind a paywall that then maybe you would get free access to if if you were uh, uh, signed up with uh, with with stuff fiber and Sam made it pretty clear that that is not something that um, that they've been discussing at all at, at an exec uh, level so um so yeah, just interesting to sort of fill, fill that gap in, and uh, you know, I guess basically we, we've got to wait and, and see whether you know what uh, what it is they might have up up their sleeves. But um, you know, I guess it, at the moment, I you know, I think that's going to be it's going to be reasonably hard for them to distinguish themselves from uh, from everyone else in the market. And it's, it, I mean, it is pretty hard to come into uh, come into a market with basically zero users and, uh, and and try and gain significance. And you know, I guess you know that's why we've seen so many mergers and and so on uh, take place to uh, to try and get uh, to get to that place of, yeah. a, of a real strong cer- s- uh, scale certainly,
1: certainly from a mass market perspective and I mean one of the good things about UFB it's it's got a pretty low barrier of entry for, for people who are entering that market so you know we do see a lot of smaller regional UFB providers and they you know they do okay in their geographic segment because they you know community based. Um, but certainly it's a huge step to go from there to an internet company of any substantial scale for sure. You know, we're you know, we've got a couple of hundred thousand customers across our our, our portfolio of brands and we're we're a small guy. So it's tough for these really tiny businesses to, to make a meaningful impression on the market.
0: I'm not sure I'd call you the small guy.
1: Well it's relative. It's relative. <laughs> you know, we we certainly feel like the small guy. You know, we've got 15% market share across across our three brands So we are going against the heavyweights And Spark and Vodafone Which have got infinitely more money In deeper pockets than we do So um, we we certainly consider ourselves The challenger and the small guy So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, How the even smaller guy goes
0: What's Vocus's market cap?
1: Oh yeah, it's a fair point. <laughs> we do, we do. This is on the tip of our see, tongues. when you know, We are all asking for pay pay reviews. So I think, I think, no, four four billion dollars. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I think, we're we we're, we we're like Tasmania essentially. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, um. Okay. Well, I can leave you with that. That's that's your that's your opinion. You're the little guy. But uh, yeah, I, I guess you, have, you know. Have
1: you seen our offices? You know, we're we're the little guy. For sure.
0: All right, all right. Well, I've been to some of the other ISPs of varying sizes, and um, you can't judge everything by your offices. No, that's, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it's been uh, it's been good good to have you uh, back on the show. Yeah, thanks. So for thanks for coming back, in, uh Taryn. that's cool. Now, if people want to get get in touch, are you are you contactable? Uh,
1: yeah, just probably LinkedIn is probably the best place to to get a hold of me. So yeah, Taryn yeah. Hamilton, LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. Don't think
0: there's too many Taryn Hamiltons on LinkedIn, so you should find me. Excellent, excellent. That's good. Uh, if anyone wants to uh, get in touch with me, you can always email me directly paul at spain.nz uh, or I'm on Twitter at Paul Spain and um, yeah as I've mentioned before sort of more and more bits and pieces. I'm tending to put up on um, on my Facebook uh, facebook.com slash Paul Spain. Often that tends to be sort of little live videos and bits and pieces. Um, my live video this weekend was um, was a little bunny rabbit that came uh, hopping onto our property, which is, is is not the normal thing we see on a Sunday afternoon. But I put that up on Facebook. A few minutes later, a friend told me that the neighborly network in in my area had someone who had lost a rabbit that day, and within twenty minutes we had somebody turning up at the property to collect. Their, uh, their rabbit so uh, in that case the technology came in and saved a family from maybe being very unhappy uh, should their rabbit not have returned excellent hey that's us for this week thanks everyone for listening in see ya. cheers the new zealand tech podcast brought to you by gorilla technology proactive and strategic it